Welcome, everybody. I'm Chris Miller, author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for Pre-Retirement, Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. I'm so honored to be the host of this show called Ready, Set, Retire. Do you lay awake at night wondering if you have enough money to pay the bills, let alone retire? In this show, your vision will be transformed, and I will show you how to have safe money and a fabulous future. I've counseled thousands of individuals, businesses, and families over the past 20-plus years, and I'm proud to say I've never lost $1 of my clients' money. I will share with you secrets I've learned over two decades that only the few rich know about and really have been around for centuries. On my journey, I run into lots of experts, and I want to share these experts so you are ready for pre-retirement. And my special guest today is Anthony Manganello. I hope I said that right. Um, he, <laughs> but he is going to share with us some amazing things. You know, our current economic crisis has left millions of people on shaky ground. Most of the financial tremors rattling households nationwide are caused by debt. Debt, along with credit, are two of the most misunderstood financial concepts in the country. Fortunately, Anthony has been helping people understand how to overcome the damage that can be caused by debt and credit. In his latest creation, the Debt-Free Academy, Anthony, Anthony has provided a true roadmap that can help about just about anybody achieve their financial goals, even if you're unable to pay all your bills each month. Welcome, Anthony. It's really, really great to have you here. And is it really possible for people who can't pay their bills to com- become completely debt-free and create great credit and retire rich? Well, hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk with you and speak with you and share with uh, your listeners uh, the things I've learned over the last couple of decades. And so to answer your question, absolutely. You know, when I first got started in the debt and credit education arena of personal finance, um, it was back in 1999 uh, when I actually became the owner of the company I was working for. And uh, long story short, had people coming to me saying, you know, hey, we want to get out of debt. I want to get out of debt. And at the time, all we were offering were books, tapes, and software. And uh, people would be saying on on a regular basis, you know, well, that all sounds great, but I can't afford to pay my bills. So what good are books, tapes, and software going to do me, you know? Right. And that led to about a decade-long research and development project in which uh, the result was the cash flow analysis, which is a proprietary, kind of like a financial GPS. You know, this probably sounds familiar. You're sitting down and you're trying to figure out, you, you know where you want to go, but you just don't know how to get there. And what the cash flow analysis does is it helps pinpoint the intersection of what's coming in, what's going out, and what's left over. And I use the term GPS because, you know, nowadays everybody has one on their smartphone. And if you just use a normal one from a car, if you ever notice the first thing that happens when you, it, when you initiate the GPS is it pinpoints where you're starting from because it can't give you directions until it knows what intersection you're sitting at. You know, if, if I was coming to your office and I lost my way, and I picked up the phone and I called and said, hey, Chris, um, help me out. I missed a turn. 
the first thing you'd ask me would be, where are you right now? If I just said I'm at Main Street, you'd be like, well, where on Main Street are you? You know, because Main Street runs north and south for miles, so give me, you know, narrow it down for me. Right. And that's what the cash flow analysis does. People who are unable to pay their bills, it's, they need to pinpoint where on that negative scale they are because there are options available for them that can help turn negative cash flow positive. And, but those options are going to be applicable to certain situations. And, you know, that's why the cash flow analysis is so important. What I found working with thousands and thousands of people is that they, once they understand where they're at and they can understand kind of like why they're, where they're at and where they're starting from, then it makes it easier for them to wrap their brains around how to get to where they want to go and understand the path that they're going to have to take. Because let's face it, if you're running short on cash uh, and there's no opportunity for improving your cash flow, and most people who are in that situation have already trimmed their expenses down as much as they can. You know, there's, there, you need a deeper look. And that's what the cash flow analysis really was created to do, which is a part of all of the, you know, it's kind of, that's pretty much a centerpiece of what I've done over the last couple of years is help people understand, you know, it's not only just about where you want to go, understanding where you're starting from is really most important. Right. You know, and I and I have this conversation a lot. A lot of people are, you know, how can we save for retirement when we can't even pay our bills? And and so, why do you think personal budgets don't work? That's a, a really good question. Um, you know, what when you sit down with all the material that you need to do a budget, the first thing you're focused on is you know got to get all of your bills, all of the expenses you have every month, and even if you go with a really comprehensive approach, which is, you know, some people, you know, your water bill is usually due quarterly. So you break it down into three payments to get the monthly number. You know, you, you're thinking I'm going to maybe spend a thousand dollars on a vacation. So you break it down to like $80 a month and you go to a, a really very well itemized budget. The problem with that type of approach is that the real focus is what the bottom number on that piece of paper is. And that bottom number is, What's left over once you subtracted all of the expenses, you know, monthly expenses or adjusted monthly expenses from the monthly income. And most people, you know, if you sit there with a three, four, five hundred dollar positive cash flow situation, you're thinking you've arrived and you're thinking, wow, this is great. I'm, I'm set to go. That's the problem. The, the focus is on the bottom number. And I call that misguided focus. There are three things that are wrong with a, a budget, Chris. One is misguided focus. You're focusing on the wrong number. The bottom number is not the most important one on the piece of paper. The most important number is the top number, the income number, because as you work with in your pre-retirement planning, it's to help people replace that top number because I call that income mortality, which is the second thing that's wrong with you know common budgeting. They don't teach about how the, the income will disappear one day, whether it's because you've retired or whatever the reason may be. And the third problem with budgets is they overlook something I call income corrosion, which when you're tweaking your budget to try to get that positive number at the bottom of the page, you're mostly going to be able to tweak the numbers like, you know, what your expenses are for food and other what would be considered variable expenses. And you don't really, you can't really do anything with your debt payments because those are fixed payment amounts that need to be made every month. And, you know, depending on what type of debt it is, if it's, you know, credit card debt or card payments, whatnot, when you sit down and you calculate how much money 
from those debt payments is being lost to interest payments every month. I'm not talking about you know annually or quarterly. I'm talking about monthly. The average family is losing between 12 and 13, and I've seen as much as $1,800 on average each month just to interest. And that's why if you do your budget and you got four or $500 left over and you think you've arrived and you've just basically said mission accomplished, that's a false sense of security because these other things are working against you. And if you're not aware, first, of what they are and how they work, and second, how to overcome them so that that number at the top of the page is the primary focus and using the cash flow from your job or career to replace the cash flow from your job or career, if that's not the focus, then ultimately traditional budgeting techniques will either fail you or they will certainly fall short of where you could be, the potential that you represent as an income earner and a wealth creator. Right. Well, you know, when when you say paying yourself first, and I've heard that a lot when people talk about, you know, credit and debt, and is that a myth or is, is that ineffective in the way that today's culture and everything is going, or is that true? Well, you know, you, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said today's culture. Because most people aren't aware of it. Have you, you probably, being in your profession, you probably are aware of where the pay yourself uh, first mentality comes from. It's from a story written by a guy named uh, George Clayson. Back around the time of the Great Depression, he wrote a, a small story called a, uh, the, the Richest Man in Babylon. And the moral of that story is to take 10% of whatever you're making every month or every pay period and put it away for yourself because after all, darn it, you're the one sweating and, and toiling and working your butt off to generate that income. You deserve to be paid first. Well, that's something that was taught about a hundred years ago. And I don't know, I, I wasn't around back then and uh, none of us were. And uh, a lot's changed since then, specifically in the mid nineties, but not getting all that. The problem with pay yourself first is it hasn't evolved with today's culture. And when you're paying yourself first, what that means, it gets back to that budgeting mentality. You're looking for that 10% somewhere, and you're going to set that aside for the future. And it's better than doing nothing. But the question is, do you want adequate for your, for your future and for your retirement, or you want the absolute best? Do you want to achieve your greatest potential for your financial future and for your retirement? And I believe we all want the latter. You know, we want the best and the maximum potential. And when you pay yourself first, you're living off the scraps, you know, of what's left over once you've paid everybody else because you think you're paying yourself first and really you're not because you're the last one on the list because you've got to pay all these other people off. Right. So I say pay yourself last. And what I mean by that is get rid of all of the debt. And that can be done in about an average five to eight years, depending on certain situations. And I mean everything, cars, you know, not just credit cards. You know, you talk to these people about their debt-free programs and really what they're talking about is paying off your credit cards. What about your car and your house? Last time I checked, those were debts too. Pay off everything and you've got two, three, four thousand dollars a month left over to invest for your future. And that's actually with uh, one of uh, one of my uh, friends, Milton from Cincinnati. He and his wife, they came across the content at Debt-Free Academy and they went through that budgeting exercise and they realized that, you know, they were you know, losing, they weren't really focusing on the most important aspects. And then they look, went through the process of why paying yourself first doesn't work. And after they followed the program, 
the result, they're now putting $3,500 away every month for their future. They've got everything paid off and they're, they're, the, the, the freedom and the peace of mind that they have. You know, Milton said, you know, you can't put a price tag on it. Right. Absolutely. That's great. So, you know, they, you know, they talk a lot about the good debt and the bad debt philosophy. What's your position on all that? How do you think about Well, that? the only only good debt is no debt. Um, now, there are a couple right. of qualifications that, you know, people are in business and, you know, there's investment stuff that, you know, people do that to leverage this and that and the other thing. But for the average household who wants to just live a normal life or maybe an above average life and they don't want to live by checking what the traders are doing today and all that other stuff. And if you're in business, even, you know, sometimes you've got to leverage your business position. But I'm talking about personal finance, the average home, the average family, when they believe that they can invest in something called good debt, which most people are told, you know, we've been told this all our lives, you know, your, your house, your mortgage is going to be the biggest investment you're going to ha- ever have in your life. And it is, but unfortunately it's a huge loser. And when you realize that the way uh, the, the, the debt is positioned, you know, you, most people probably aren't real familiar with something called an amortization schedule. Well, when you make a payment on a house, which is traditionally thought of as good debt, in the early years, you're going to lose 85 to 90% of all of those payments in that early period of time in that mortgage. And then you're told, we see the commercials all the time, you know, about refinancing your mortgage to save money. Well, believing that you can do that and thinking that good debt is not a bad idea you're constantly positioning yourself in a place where 90% give or take of your mortgage payment every month is interest and you're never chipping away at the equity. So my question is, why don't you just eliminate that mortgage? And instead of living off the scraps again, you're living off the chunks and the big pieces of meat. And, and that's when Catherine down in New Zealand, she told me, uh, you know, this is the great thing about this type of business is because numbers apply across the globe. And uh, she said that one day she was sitting down feeling, you know, I'm going to paraphrase, but she was feeling, you know, pretty much fat and happy, you know, very successful and thinking that she pretty much had it all together. She went through the debt-free academy content and she realized with that good debt myth that she really, it wasn't really working like she thought it was. And so when she applied this, the process of understanding why good debt doesn't work, understanding the other things that we talked about, like the budgeting myth and, and uh, the pay yourself first myth, she was able to transform her entire way of thinking about money into one that was focused on, and this is something that's important, wealth accumulation. You know, most people think that they need to generate more wealth. You know, if you're thinking about getting a job that pays more, it's because you're thinking you need to make more money and you need to generate more wealth. The truth is you're already generating wealth the problem is you're not accumulating any of the wealth that you're already generating. And when Catherine had that revelation, she said it transformed her entire outlook on, on money. And you now she's feeling like she's taking the right path and she's taking advantage of the future earnings that she's going to generate between now and her retirement years. And like all of us, she, she just wants to accumulate as much of the wealth she's already generating so she could be the one that lives off of that wealth generation as opposed to creditors. Wow, right. You know, there's, there's um, 
You know, I had a mortgage broker on my show um, a couple months ago, and he was talking about amortization is out, and he was saying that it was better to keep your money liquid and pay as little as possible. So you, what you're really saying is pay it off now so that you can use that money to invest, right? Exactly, and not the you know that's just the traditional way of thinking. It's that <clears throat> it's that looking at cash flow in a very short sighted you know, way, which is, you know, why we're in the position we're in today. I mean, when you look at back to 2000 and up until recently, you know, our economy is really on its heels and, you know, not to get over what the government's going to do, the government's going to do. And, you know, we can, that's a completely different discussion. Uh, But what I looked at just recently over the last few months, as everybody was talking about this fiscal cliff, and I was thinking, you know, why it was up until 2008, it was a fairly prosperous, you know, time for the nation uh, from, you know, the, you know the, the, all of the indicators, you know, those indicators people are talking about. Why did we crash? And, you know, we had the tax cuts that gave people more money and gas prices were less than half what they were today. Why, with all that extra cash, weren't we able to position ourselves for the crash so that we it wasn't as big of an impact uh, uh, as, uh, as on us as a nation. And the reason was because they had that same type of thought, like the mortgage broker, what you were talking about. He is thinking about instead of using that cash flow to pay everything off and liberate, see, most people are looking at, well, you can keep things liquid. Well, I agree, but keep your, your uh, budget liquid, your cash flow liquid by eliminating all of your debt because on average, well, this is you know, the debt-to-income ratio. People calculate that as a, as a method of a way of financial health. You know, 36%, 32% in that area they think is healthy. That means 30-some-odd percent of your income is being directed towards debt. And don't you think if you want to keep your money liquid, you should get rid of that tie-in to the payments and liquidate the debt so you can have the cash flow liquid every month? That, to me, is a much better, a much more comfortable situation, not to mention, you know, one thing I was thinking about before our, our talk here today was something that used to be kind of popular was a mortgage-burning party. Do you remember that, those? When right. people paid off their house, they'd burn yeah. their mortgage and have a party. I don't think I've heard of one of those since I watched a black-and-white movie. And that's the problem, is that we are leveraging ourselves with our current income into the future so, so far off that all we're thinking about is do we have a few hundred dollars left over to live on? And you and I both know that a few hundred dollars a month to live on is not going to help us when we are no longer working. When we hit our golden years, there will be no gold for those years. I think we should start calling those the, the copper or the wooden years because that's the way the direction of this, this uh, mentality is taking us, believing in these myths. And I, I use the term myth because it really doesn't achieve the goal people are hoping it will. But yet, okay. over the last decade or so, we've used those those uh, methods and those strategies. And where did they bring us? To the point now where, you know, work and, and the economy is on its heels and uh, people are struggling. And it breaks my heart because I learned at an early age that financial trouble can really have a negative impact on a family. And to me, families are important. And I want to see... The, one of the biggest reasons why families and marriages break up is because of lack of understanding of, of what personal finance really is all about. 
the fights that are created by that, the struggle that that creates. And, you know, I think that if people, if these strategies that uh, I talk about in, at the Debt-Free Academy, if those strategies really worked, we wouldn't be where we're at today. You and I wouldn't be having this discussion. But that the fact is, is they true. don't work. And we're talking about it and hopefully right. helping people avoid those same mistakes. Right, right. And and it's funny because, you know, what you said, myths, these are myths. In fact, I'm known as a money myth buster because there are a lot of myths that are set up that drain people's money or get them going down chasing shiny objects and they end up in in all this debt. So it's so, so important. Now, you've created something called the Debt-Free Academy, and why don't you tell my listeners what it is and why it's so important? I'd love to. Um, the 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 short, long and the short of it is simply this: for about two decades, I've worked with people from all walks of life—people who were bankruptcy bound, to people who uh, were paying their bills and just you know feeling like they were spinning their wheels. And I think that is a very common, unfortunately, a very common position people feel like they're in. You know, they're thinking, "I've been working for." month after month after month, generating paycheck after paycheck after paycheck. And, you know, some of us will sit back and go, okay, the last year I've actually put in my account, you know, my bring home pay, I've deposited thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. Where's it all at? And right. what, uh, what I've learned over the last two decades, I spent the last year creating an online educational system at debtfreeacademy.com that's designed to help people understand what these myths are, why they don't work, and what you can do to change the path you're on to one that gives you peace of mind. And one of the stories I like to, to share is Catherine from Southern California, uh, excuse me, Carol from Southern California. She wrote to me and she said, um, she was thinking she was going to have to go bankrupt. You know, I believe she's a single mom. She believed that she was just, had no option. She was on her, like, uh, you know, at the end of her financial rope, sitting down to pay her bills, breaking a sweat, anxiety, going crazy, just really struggling because she just, you know, she didn't know how to handle what she called her mountain of debt. When she put the the budget, the, the cash flow analysis, as I talked about earlier, when she put her numbers through the cash flow analysis, she told me she immediately, uh, that her mental health improved. And she was thinking she had to go bankrupt. She went through the cash flow analysis exercise, realized that it wasn't necessary, and she paid off uh, $6,000 worth of credit card debt inside of a year. And, you know, it's like, wow, that relief is really what it's all about. People really feel like they, they sit down. I mean, this is probably something that I know I've gone through in my life. You sit down and you look at other people, like, what are they doing right that I'm not doing? You know, what, what, what am I missing? What is it that... Why are the things I'm trying not working? And it's because we haven't been taught about really how money management works. We got people telling us to pay yourself first because some guy wrote a story about it in 1928, you know, and it seemed to be working good. And who's the one that's telling us to pay ourselves first all the time? The guy's selling the investments where if you take that 10%, they got something to sell you. You know, the mortgage brokers are telling you to refinance and save money because they're selling you a mortgage. It's not that these people are bad or they're, they're evil. They're just doing what they've been trained to do. And it's a system that everyone is plugged into that is designed to suck them dry. And I looked at this. I, I had a, the opportunity to step away from it and work with tens of thousands of people and help them understand 
where they're at, where they're starting from so that they can map out a plan to get to where they want to go. And aside from winning the Powerball or whatever lottery that you, you try to play every week, aside from that, you are already generating thousands of dollars in wealth every month, quarter, and year. The question you have to ask yourself is, why am I not accumulating any of this wealth? And the Debt-Free Academy is designed in, in short lessons that are, you know, you can go through a lesson at a time it takes you to enjoy a cup of coffee and you'll learn what you need to know. And it's simple. That, that's the thing that um, was most important to me, that when people like, um, I could name off a few, uh, Milton and Tim, uh, Tim uh, from Portland, Tim and his wife were fighting and they were just not on the same page. Having, they were struggling with you know, their marriage. They've been married for 22 years or something like that. They're in their, their, uh, their middle age, not on the same page financially, unable to get together over their money problems, just arguing about, you know, what they should do because neither one of them really knew. You know, the blind leading the blind is never really a good situation. They came across the Debt-Free Academy content, went through the lessons that, you know, we're talking about here, and he told me that for the first time they're on the same page. And that to me means if they're on the same page financially, that helps them get on the same page with the more important things in their lives and in their marriage. You know, they're going on vacations with cash. They've got, he, he says it might sleep easy money. You know, they're able to turn things around, able to get their their personal financial situation in a, in a place where they are in agreement. And when they're, they're in agreement over that, that agreement bleeds into other areas of their lives. And it, it helps, it just helps their marriage become stronger. And I heard that and I was like, you know, to me, that's a major victory. Because again, for me, it's about, you know, protecting the integrity of the family, which personal financial issues have a way of undermining that. And the Debt Free Academy was created to help give people a very simple, easy platform, an easy place to find the information they need to know and, and learn about how this stuff works. You know, why do some people have money and others don't? And to help, it, help them understand it in such a way that it, it, it sticks with them. And they get done, and I feel like uh, Anna told me, you know, I can't believe what you taught me here. And she said it was, it was such a revelation to her that for the first time she really understood how money works. And, you know, it's like, great. It's, it's simple. It really is simpler than most people think. Uh, it's only been complicated by people who uh, have been learning how the system works and they've been trained and conditioned that the system is the way to, to teach people what to do, but that system is designed for the success of the people running the system, not the people feeding the system, which is who we are. And I want to help people who are feeding the system feed themselves for decades to come, not some nameless, faceless system that really doesn't even know who we are, that we exist unless we stop paying our bills. Yes, absolutely. So, and for those of you that are just are just tuning in, you're listening to our show, Ready, Set, Retire. And we're talking about the Debt-Free Academy and uh, maybe this is a good time you could tell everybody how to get in contact with you and, and get some of these great benefits you're you're telling everybody about. Well, thanks, Chris. Yeah, it's it's really simple. You just got to go online and uh, go to www.debtfreeacademy.com. What's out there now is you can have free access to part one of the course that I have out there that's available, and that that course will teach you why good debt doesn't work. You know, teach you about the the budgeting myth and the pay yourself first myth and the, the, the college funding myth. That's another big one. People are trying to save for college for their kids and 
actually that can make it harder to help them the way you really want to. If you've got kids that you want to put through college, there's a better way to, to fund that college education, one that is easier on you and more productive and easier to help them the way you really want. And then finally, the more money myth, which is really teaches people about why making more money when you do that following, it's kind of like our nation made more money in, you know, before the crash of 2007. We had lower gas prices. We had, you know, the tax cuts put more, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars in, in the pockets of the average household every month. And instead of that extra money making a positive difference, it made a negative difference. And that's because following the financial myths that, that part of the course that's available for free online at debtfreeacademy.com, uh, it, it's the, the money, more money myth is one that if you don't really understand what you're doing with that money, if the only thing that changes is the amount of money you make and not your understanding of what that can do, then you could really be in for trouble. And those things are available at debtfreeacademy.com. And all you got to do is opt in and, and uh, the, the, those lessons become immediately available for you. There's no credit card information that's required. None of that stuff. It's no tricks and gimmicks. It's just, for me, families need this information. I look at the way, you know, the divorce rates and I hear about it all the time about, you know, families breaking up. And there's a lot of reasons why families break up. But I believe, it's my personal opinion, that if we can help remove that financial struggle that the family's facing, it'll help alleviate some of the pressure and maybe make some of those other struggles less less of a, of a struggle, so to speak. Because you know, my family broke up when I was a young kid. And uh, that was when I learned how important families are. And if I can help families just remove that one thing that's undermining their total objective in their marriage and their and, and all the things that they want to do as a family, then I feel like I've done my job. That's beautiful. I love it. That's great. And so, you know, people, and I've seen a lot of debt relief services out there and, you know, this person and that person. And so what what can happen if you hire, and this is, I've heard a lot of horror stories, when you hire the wrong kind of debt relief service? How does that impact the average family? Well, that's a really, really good question. A lot of things that people, there, there's a few things that people really don't understand when it comes to these debt relief services. Um, and the number one thing is, it's a secret in the debt relief industry. Now, I'm a former uh, debt relief service provider. I owned a, a company. We negotiated over $40 million in savings uh, and credit card debt. And uh, I choose in 2008 to get out of that business because the legislative landscape was becoming a nightmare to manage and to navigate. And that wasn't my, my first love anyway. I mean, my love was teaching like we're talking about now. And I only got into that part of the business because the people early on in my career as a business owner coming to me saying, I would love to be out of debt. I would love if books, tapes, and software could help me, but I can't pay my bills. So that's, you know, as I mentioned before, with the creation of the cash flow analysis. And the problem with, with most debt relief services is that they don't dig deep enough to find out if their service can truly help. And here's what I mean. If, uh, and this is actually something that um, Esther told me back in, gosh, almost a decade ago. She said that when she came to find out about how the cash flow analysis works. She was looking for help from debt relief services companies. And 
most debt relief services companies, there are several different types of services that are available. Some will save you a certain amount of money, others different amounts. And that's why when it comes to the cash flow analysis, you need to know where you're at so that you can apply the right type of service to that specific situation. Most companies just look at your credit card bills and say, hey, you're paying $700 a month for those credit card bills right now. We can save you $150. Everybody thinks that's a great idea. Saving $150 is definitely going to help. But what if that family needs to save $250? Meaning, what if $150 isn't enough? But that's as low as that particular service can go. That's where the problem has been in the debt relief industry for as long as I can remember. They are not really digging deep enough. And people get on a service thinking that one or $200 a month in savings is going to really help them. But then five, six, seven, eight months later, they realize they're still struggling and they cancel and they quit. So the problem is not really digging deep enough to see what you need to save. And here's it's a real simple process to do that. When you look at that quote-unquote monthly budget, you take you, you categorize it like this. You got your living expenses, and I'm sure you're going to trim those down as best you can. Uh, you got to live though. I mean, that's what they're there for. You got to pay your utilities, got to eat, and all that other good stuff. You have secured debt payments. You can't lower your car payment. You can't lower your house payment unless you get a refinance. But we don't want to talk about that because that's a whole can of worms. I prefer not to open for a variety of reasons. Then you've got your unsecured credit card payments. That if you group all of those dollars that you're spending on your unsecured credit card payments, because that's the type of debt that these services will work with. Let's say you've got $3,000 in uh, net take-home pay. You've got $1,500 in uh, living expenses. And I mean, it covers everything, not just utilities, the gas for the car, vacations, you know, braces for the kids, all that good stuff. That leaves you with $1,500. And maybe you're paying a thousand or $800 for your mortgage. That leaves you with $700. And then you've got um, $1,000 worth of credit card bills. If you've got that much credit card debt, you're running behind $300 a month. So the simple way to look at what you can afford for one of these services is to go and say, I'm going to deduct everything except my credit card bills, meaning I'm just going to subtract my living expenses. I've trimmed them down as best I can. I'm going to just subtract all my secured debt expenses and you know, student loans would be included in, in that as well. And what do I have left over? Maybe it's $500. Well, if the service I'm talking to says their payment is going to be $700 or $600, it's not enough. So you've got to figure out where you're going to come up with that extra money. And that's the problem. Most companies don't do that. And when they don't do that, you set up a plan. Most people are thinking, I get on this plan, it's going to solve my problem. It's not. Getting on that plan is a beginning of a commitment that will take three to five years to complete. And you've got to be sure of moving forward and getting into that commitment that you're in a position with your cash flow that you can underwrite or subsidize that payment they need for the duration. Because if you can't, you're going to wind up quitting, which is what happens the vast majority of the time. A lot of the regulation that's come down the pike uh, over the debt relief industry is because of the cancellation rates. And the FTC has even said that people were misleading consumers with their success rates. And, you know, the reason why they do this is they're trying to sell a product. And so even a nonprofit company, you know, profit for nonprofit, it's really no different. It's a nonprofit company still needs to generate income and profit to survive. So the problem with the, the debt relief industry is they're, they're starting people off on the wrong step before the people are really understand where they're at financially. 
there are a lot. There's a lot more to this than just paying off a bill. <laughs> On the surface, <laughs> it looks like that, but definitely, well, you definitely have an interesting perspective on credit. Maybe, maybe you could explain credit to people because it's really way more than I than I imagined. So, well, you know, it's I, I find it interesting, uh, Chris, that when you think about credit, you know, there's that saying, "A picture paints a thousand words." Well, when it comes to credit, that's a word that kind of paints a thousand pictures. You know, you've got people thinking, you know, what is credit? Is it my score? Is it my report? Is it a measure of who and what I am? Is it my moral character? And there's a very simple explanation that, that people have to understand when it comes to what credit is. And the way I, the way I teach people is that there are three things when it comes to your credit and your credit profile or what you want to believe as credit. Credit is a, is a relationship between three things, your credit score, your credit report, and your financial circumstances and behavior over a period of time. And the way those three things work together is that your credit score is a reflection of what's on your credit report. And most credit scoring companies have their own secret formulas and how they extract information and spit out that three-number score or whatever score, because there's a lot of scores. People most, the most popular one is the FICO score. There's a lot of other ones that uh, exist. But that score is just a reflection of what's on the credit report. And the credit report, though, is a reflection of what you're doing with your financial circumstances and behavior over a period of time. And so while fixing the credit score or trying to fix the credit report is important, those are only reflections. And my perspective on that is to help people understand that the ultimate thing to work on is the financial circumstances and the financial behaviors you're you're using that are casting these the reflection in the first place. Because otherwise it's like going to the funhouse mirror trying to manipulate the reflection when we really have to focus on what's casting the ultimate reflection. And by improving that, see credit is dynamic. Most people think, well my credit score is this. That's just a temporary situation. It can change month to month depending on those financial circumstances and behavior and how they're reflected on your credit report. So my perspective is, and what I hope people will learn, is how to improve the financial circumstances, their personal financial circumstances and behavior in such a way to cast the most positive reflection they possibly can given those circumstances. Wow. All right. So what is the debt dollar drain, and, and what, what do you mean by that, and how does that, how does that put people on a financial treadmill? That is a very good question. You know, I looked at something about a decade ago. Uh, I was looking at you know, the results and the information we were getting from the people that um, we were interviewing with cash flow analyses. We did almost 20,000 cash flow analyses with households all over the country over a period of time. And what I realized is that, and this gets back to the process of paying yourself first, um, because when you pay yourself first, you think you're taking what's left over and putting that aside for the future, and you think you're paying yourself first, and ultimately you're paying yourself last. But when you dig as much of that, dig in, trying to get that 10%, you're, you're going to wind up paying the minimum amounts of all of your debt payments. Ultimately, what the debt dollar drain does is it shows how many dollars in gross income a household needs to generate for every single dollar in debt that they owe, and based on the fact that they're trying to pay themselves first, so they're maximizing that payment towards their investment while they're in debt, 
as opposed to focusing that extra cash on eliminating the debt. And what I have found is that on average, $3 is the number. And what I mean by that, it's the debt dollar drain. $3 in gross income is what people need to generate for every single dollar in debt that they have when they're making minimum or close to minimum payments. So that's like being on a treadmill that's moving backwards at three miles an hour, and you're trying to move forward at one mile an hour. And you're never going to move forward. It's just going to kick you right off the back of the treadmill. And that's what the debt dollar drain does. It's a way of saying, holy cow, I've got to generate $2.83 for every dollar I owe in debt. And all these other financial strategies are, are not looking at this information that way. I need to focus here to get my gen- wealth generation to be more favorable for me. Because if I got to make three bucks for every dollar I owe, who's the winner in that scenario? The creditor is, not me, not my family, not the people I care about. And that's what the debt dollar drain shows you. Wow, right. So why do you think conventional wisdom has failed most people in this? Well, primarily because it has overlooked the things that are under the surface. You know, paying yourself first and believing in good debts, you know, using a budget to get ahead, saving for your kid's college, and trying to go out and make more money. Those are all just general thoughts that are very common in our culture today. But no one's really taken the time to peel back a layer or two and and look at what's under the surface there and and what's under the hood, like how the debt dollar drain that we just talked about works. And that's why these conventional ways of thinking financially don't work. And not only do they not work, they're the reason why our economy is struggling today. Because, you know, everyone is familiar with the fact that our economy in America is the number one economy in the world. Well, if it is, why is it so upside down and why is it struggling? It's because conventional wisdom has taught us to invest in good debt, which is leveraging our income. It's taught us to pay ourselves first, which means we're really just living off the scraps and we're not hoarding money for ourselves and our loved ones in a way that doesn't mean, you know, you don't have to, to, to come off the grid and live like a, a pauper to do this. And you can do this while still getting the things you want out of life and maybe doing it with a slightly different perspective. That's really all it is. And so the conventional wisdom has not focused on how the, the ultimate goal, which is when you hit retirement age, what's your portfolio going to look like? You know, as a, as a retirement uh, expert yourself, you realize that whatever that nest egg is, that nest egg is going to be the one thing that they can count on. Social Security, who knows if that's going to be there. Pension plans, you know, most of those are tied up in mutual funds and the stock market, and guess what that's doing now? I mean, people who wanted to retire in 2008, they're still working, <laughs> unfortunately, because of what happened with their pension plan. So the, these ways of thinking, which are so popular and common throughout our culture today, are the reason why we're struggling. And it's time to get unplugged from that system and look at one that's really much simpler. It may not be as... Uh, you know, it's fun to look at because, you know, some people think these, you know, hedge funds and stuff like that are all exciting. Um, I personally don't think that that's the way to go. I think that you're, even if you put your money that you made in a mattress, you're better off than putting it into the shock market, as my uh, one of my business partners calls it. And there's different ways of doing that. But ultimately, you can't go anywhere until you are paying off all of your debt and realizing that of your monthly income, how much of that are you keeping? And if most of that is going out towards creditors, 
And, and the average household annually, over 50% of their gross income is earmarked for debt payments because 50% they have to grow so that they can bring home enough after taxes to pay their bills. So if you think you're making $100,000 a year, well, if you follow traditional advice like, you know, a quote-unquote healthy debt-to-income ratio, you've got maybe 35% debt-to-income ratio, you've got to bring home a certain amount of money to pay that those bills. But the debt-to-income ratio is, is, is uh, calculated on gross income, not net income. And I don't know anybody who pays bills with gross income because we don't get to bring that home. So when you realize that all of this stuff conventionally is the way we've been conditioned to think, we're, we're like uh, you know cutting off the end of the ham, if you've ever heard that story. The blind is leading the blind, and we're all struggling because this conventional wisdom under the hood is really working against us. Right. Well, you know, I think it's something like 61% of people, their biggest fear is outliving their money. And, and yep. that's, what, that's what most people, and 75% of Americans don't have enough to cover the bills for six months. Boy, right. That's pretty frightening. So, you know, what what is it about the debt relief industry that most people aren't aware of? It seems so logical. I mean, when I looked at doing the credit card thing, I opted out. I, li- I just pay for what I get, you know, when I get it because I don't want to pay the interest. I don't want to <laughs> right. pay all that. You know, it just seemed obvious, but it's not. And so this lack of awareness puts people in financial jeopardy, right? It sure does. It sure does. Now, the, the debt relief industry is, a, is an industry that has, <clears throat> for its own sake and for its own purposes, followed traditional wisdom. You know, you see these commercials for companies, and I mentioned this earlier, that say, hey, we'll help you become debt-free. Well, actually, those, those words of helping people become debt-free are less and less prevalent in all that marketing and advertising because guess what? They don't help you become debt-free. They just get rid of your credit card debt. And right. the other problem is when, you know, one time we, uh, when back in the mid-90s, we went out and did a man-on-the-street thing, and we were asking people uh, questions like, you know, how much debt do you have? And people would say, well, I don't have any debt. I've, I've got a couple, uh, I got a house payment, a couple of credit cards, and a car payment. But I don't have, they don't even really even understand what debt is. And now people are a little bit more familiar with it because as the, the times we've, we've come across with the crash in the market and people have been forced to look at, you know, their finances in a slightly different way than they ever have had to before. Because not only is the market crashed, but the economy has dried, has dried up. The uh, job market is is real dry, and people are looking at their their budget, quote unquote budgets, and they're they're thinking, holy crap, crap I gotta I gotta get my uh, my budget in place because they're seeing that that top number dwindle, and the debt relief industry has failed to teach people that you can become completely debt free, not just credit cards, credit cards, car payments, house payments, everything you owe, and on average seven to eight years, everything paid off. And from that point forward, the thousands of dollars in wealth that you generate every month are yours to keep. So imagine what your life is going to be like when you sit down to pay your bills and all you have to do is pay your utilities and your phone bill, cell phone bill, food bill, but there's no mortgage payment. There's no car payment. There's no credit card payment. Imagine what that's going to be like. And that's ultimately where the debt relief industry has fallen short 
they don't go. It just like I said before, they don't dig deep enough to, to help people make the right choice getting into a debt relief service. The debt relief industry is not focused deep enough into what the ultimate goal really is, which is personal financial freedom. And the only way to achieve that is to become independent from those that you owe, to not owe anyone anything. I mean, the only person you owe is yourself. And if you don't owe yourself, if you're not paying yourself, and I don't mean paying yourself first, I mean paying everybody else off first so that you can save the best for last. And that's where, like Milton and his wife in Cincinnati, they've got thousands of dollars every month that they're investing for the future, they're putting aside for the future. Uh, Tim and his wife in Portland, uh, Catherine down in New Zealand, all of these people have learned how this works and used the concepts at the Debt-Free Academy to say, I'm going to do this for me and my loved ones because last time I heard from my bank is when I skipped the payment. Or last time, uh, you know, I, I got anything in the mail from any of the people that have been getting thousands of, do- of my dollars every month in interest was when they said, I still owe them more money. You know, those, those nameless, faceless creditors, let's face it, they don't matter as much as our loved ones do, but we haven't been trained on how to turn the tables on all these numbers that are under the hood so that they work for us and not for them. And, and that's really why the whole industry has kind of failed. And I've been in it for a long time. I've been in it for almost 20 years. From an educational perspective, I've, I've been able, I've been, had the privilege to be an expert uh, panel member at the FTC back in 2010. I've been uh, in, in different states helping uh, craft debt relief law uh, with expert advice and all that fun stuff. And it's not to pat myself on the back. It's just, you know, because my approach has always been people need to be the primary beneficiaries of all the money they're generating. And if they're not, there's something wrong with that. And, you know, I look back on it and go, that's why my family broke up. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping people because ultimately when you do that, their families are going to benefit. And I just sleep better at night knowing that I'm able to help a family achieve just peace of mind above anything else that will help them stick together as a family, which, again, as I've said several times, it's the most important thing. You know, I I was thinking about um, the real identity crisis you mentioned and just about every individual is a victim of. What what do you think right. that is? What would you say that is? Well, you know, <clears throat> identity theft and identity crisis are two things that um, that that I, I, I've taught. And most people, when they think of identity theft, you're thinking of someone stole my personal financial information is out there creating um, uh, accounts in my name fraudulently. And... Because that's what we think of identity in our financial world, there's a crisis, and that crisis is simply this. When you look at the average household that is going to generate income for several decades, that household is going to generate, on average, $2 million, give or take $2 million in wealth. And to me, that sounds like <clears throat> the average household is a millionaire in the making, and but most people, because they view things with traditional wisdom and conventional ideas, they view things in terms of just chunks of money, uh, pay periods and whatnot. They don't see the bigger picture. They have lost their identity. They have found themselves to be labeled and identified as consumers, which is what we're called, let's face it, the consumer uh, cost index, the consumer confidence index, everything 
you know, it, it starts out with the, when it comes to us and our money, it's we're consumers. Well, last time I checked Webster, someone who consumes is someone who destroys and wastes. Well, that's not what we should be thinking of ourselves as. If you're generating any kind of meaningful income, you need to be thinking of yourself as a millionaire in the making. You have something I call wealth potential. If you're generating income, you have the potential to generate hundreds of thousands of dollars in true wealth and accumulate that for yourself. And most people don't think of themselves in that way. They think of themselves as a consumer who is just scraping by and they're not perceiving them as they, themselves as they truly are, which is, hey, I'm, my household is making, the average household of four is uh, generating around $76,000 in income according to the U.S. trustee's office. Well, in 10 years, that's three quarters of a million dollars. In 20 years, that's a million, it's over a million and a half dollars. And I think it's funny that people think if they were a millionaire right now and they had a million dollars tax-free in some kind of an investment, that they'd be able to live for the rest of their lives. Well, you and I both know that if someone has a million dollars and if they're lucky to get 5%, that's only 50 grand a year from which they have to pay income taxes from. Well, most people are, need more than that to live on. And they're already this millionaire in the making that I would love for them to just wrap, you know, embrace and wrap around, wrap their mind around. And, uh, but they don't. And so I have found that when it comes to helping people truly understand what their potential is, they need to realize that your identity has been stolen from, not from these identity things, but from our culture. You know, you sit there and you look at the People magazine as you're, as you're at the checkout counter and you see all these people, these famous people with all these, millions of dollars in wealth and you're like, Oh, you know what? I could never become a millionaire because we identify a millionaire as someone who has tens or maybe even hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, Webster defines a millionaire as someone who has a million dollars in wealth or other valuable resources. And you know, the, the idea is you are a valuable resource. If you're generating income, what would it cost to replace your income? That's how much you're worth, at least financially. You know, when it comes to our families, we all have something I believe to be immeasurable worth and value. But financially, if you're making $70,000 a year, it would take, you know, like I said before, over a million dollars to replace that. So you are worth a million dollars right now. But people don't think of themselves that way. And that's why I believe we have an identity crisis that's much more, uh, much more painful and much more uh, dangerous than identity theft, as we're commonly familiar with because people are already given up and before they even get started. And I want, I want you to think in terms of, you know what? I am a millionaire in the making. I haven't been behaving like one, but that's what the debt-free Academy was designed to do. And in my book, the debt-free millionaire was designed to do to help people understand these concepts as easily as possible so that they can change their outlook on who they are as a person, not just uh, you know, financially, but overall. Because ultimately, it's about what legacy we're going to leave behind. You know, I've got kids, and I want them to have the best. I want them to have the best in every area. Not spoil them, but I want them to have the opportunities for growth and fulfillment. And it's going to be a lot easier for me to do that if I'm not banging my head against the wall trying to figure out how I'm going to pay my bills this month. And that's what the identity crisis that I talk about really is all about. People think of themselves as consumers and someone who has no chance at real wealth, and the only chance it is that they have would be to win the lottery when that's not true. The truth is they're already lottery winners if they behave the right way. And it's as simple as that. Right. Wow. Good stuff that, you know, we've got a few minutes left and still 
there's so much, you know, to cover here, so we'll have to do this again. But in the meantime, maybe you could just give everybody a little cherry on the top of closing thought that you want them to think about. Well, great. Uh, thanks, Chris. You know, what I would like for you to think about is simply this. Over the last year, how much did you bring home and, and pay? When it comes to your personal income, you've probably generated and take home pay thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. Now, over the last ten years, that means you've generated hundreds of thousands of dollars in wealth. The question is, have you accumulated any of the wealth you've already generated? If you haven't, then anything you've been trying to do is the reason why you have fallen short of accumulating the wealth you're already generating. And Instead of you know, the old definition of insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, well, guess what? Doing the same thing you've been doing for the last year, five, ten years, will not generate a different result. It will drive you nuts if all you're doing is trying to figure out a way to become successful financially. So you need to just find the simple things to do to redirect your cash flow, your personal cash flow, so that you can use the income from your job or career to replace the income from your job or career and have that benefit your loved ones and leave a legacy behind. And it's so much easier than you think it, than you think it is. It doesn't have to be some rocket science, you know, to, that, that, you know, you, you figure out to get some scientific calculator out to figure out. That's why I created the debt-free Academy so that people can learn how simple this stuff is and hopefully change their lives and redirect their personal cash flow to, where it's going from where it's going now, which is to all of their creditors, to a real secure financial future, you and your loved ones, because you and your loved ones are the only ones that deserve it. Amen to that. That's great. And really, really, everybody, you need to get to his site and go to the Debt Free Academy and check out this advice. It's really on it. Um, you really, really have some great things to share with people. I really appreciate you being on our show. And, Anthony, again, everybody can go to the debtfreeacademy.com, and then they'll be able to access everything you've been talking about. Yep, www.debtfreeacademy.com. You can have access, free access to Part 1 of the course. And, again, there's just your name. Last name is even optional. I don't want anybody to be thinking that, Oh, I'm going to get sucked into some thousand, you know, email. All your information is safe. Don't even need your credit card information. I just want you to have it because your families are too important to me to keep it to myself. That is so generous of you and really, really appreciate it. Everyone will appreciate it when they go there. And for those of you that want to get in contact with me, you can go to my site, which is ready for pre-retirement. R-E-A-D-Y-F-O-R-P-R-E-T-I-R-E-M-E-N-T dot com. Or you can reach out to me at Chris, K-R-I-S, at readyforpretirement dot com. And join us again for more exciting content on Ready, Set, Retire. Anthony, thank you so much for being our guest today. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you, Chris. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Found out you can't take a curve at 85. My whole
whole life flashed before my eyes. I brace myself to leave this world behind. As a million questions raced across my mind, did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? From that moment I became a brand new me With the golden ticket to a better destiny And I told my heart there'll never come a day When I'd have to search inside of me and say Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? can be a voice of inspiration and my story finds you well cause when the curtain falls there ain't no second chances and you don't wanna ask yourself did I live did I love did I matter to someone did I give everything I had to give did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? Did I matter? I'm mad.